flopping around there and the, they were busy, in a sense, harvesting. They were hopping around, getting some seeds, getting worms, and I came close and they flew away. But this one didn't fly away, but I knew he can fly. I picked the bird up and I saw his two little feet was tied with a string. And somebody tied this bird's legs with a string. And he couldn't harvest the, like the other birds. He could fly away and he could land at one spot, but he could only harvest what was around him. And I felt it to be a prophetic picture for all of us. That some of us are here, or all of us are here, and we all can fly. We can fly in worship. Does worship fly, right? <laughs> we can fly when it is a community evening or prayer meeting, and then we kumbaya, love the Lord, and it's going crazy. And that's a great thing. I really believe the Lord does work in settings like this. But do you have the skill to harvest for yourself? Because, yes, we are a unit, a church of many individuals together, but we are individuals having a relationship with the Lord. Amen? Good stuff. So, for all of us sitting here, I believe the Lord wants to pick you up gentle. And for some of you, He wants to take that rope around your feet, cut it off in the season, Very good. and let you fly and harvest where you are. Amen. So what I want to speak on, I'm already a minute over my time, <laughs> is the soil of our hearts. I want to speak about the soil of our hearts. And I want to touch on a parable or a story that the Lord shared to a lot of His disciples. And it's the parable of the sower. Okay? The story can be found in almost all of the Gospels. I think three of the Gospels. And I'm going to read for us the one in Luke. But just to summarize what is busy happening here is that there is a sower that goes out, go out to sow seeds. He sows the seeds. Some fell along the road. Other, other seeds fell along rocky ground. Others of them fell along the thorns. And then the last portion of soil that the seed landed on was good soil. So all of us are sitting in like, you know, what, what, what are you speaking about? What, 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 what's going on? Okay. Agriculture, like okay. And no, that's not what I'm saying. But I believe the disciples had exactly that same question. Jesus, what's here? What are you talking about? I don't understand this. And this is one of the stories that the, Jesus actually explains this parable, this story to them in quite a lot of detail. And it is amazing because we have the privilege and insight to what the Lord said to the disciples. And let's read together. So Luke, you can maybe put that up. <clears throat> now the parable is this. Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. First of all, the one along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil came and took it away, the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Second soil. And the ones on the rock or rocky ground are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time 
they fall away. Thirdly, and as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Lastly, last soil. As for those in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. And it says that they bore fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold what was initially sowed. And what is interesting and always very challenging for me when I preach is I know each and every one in this room is hearing the same message. I hear all of you is hearing Henry speak. You're reading the same scriptures with me. But some of us will have different results from walking out of this room. Oh. And it actually saddens me because the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy these seeds, this precious word of God that he wants to shape and mold in each one of your hearts. And each of these seeds has the potential of producing a harvest 30, 60, and even to a hundredfold. But the enemy wants to kill the plants and the harvest in our hearts. So some of you are like the hardened road that many people have walked on you. Your heart is hardened. And even as I'm sharing, you're like, oh, but you're here, okay. I can do this as God. Who's this, okay? Let's see, I take it as a word of fashion, my favorite prayer. Some of you 
and wishes all of you. I'm not convincing all of you, but some of you, the soil of your heart will be ready to receive the word of God tonight. And it will produce a great harvest for the Lord. And there will be a great sacrifice laid down on the altar before the Lord. A living sacrifice that will be your life for the Lord. So we find when Jesus shared this parable, we read only about farming and like what's going on here. But the disciples would have known that the Lord actually started to reference or pull parallels to the Old Testament. And there's one scripture, I'm not going to go into it, but Genesis 26 verse 12, you can quickly put it up there, but it speaks about Isaac sowing in the land and reaping the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed it. And it would reference that thing of a hundredfold. And they're like, whoa, if we are obedient of sowing the seed, there might be a blessing on what we are doing. But also, just as much as there is a blessing, they would also go to Jeremiah 4, verse 3 and 4. I want us to just quickly read this because I believe it to be so profound. And it's actually a judgment that Jeremiah speaks on the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And they say the following. This is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow amongst thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts. You men of Judah and people of Jerusalem, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. This judgment has been spoken over the people of God that you must not sow where there is thorns. It will choke it out. And actually, it says that there is hardened ground in the people of God and they need to take this unplowed hardened ground and plow the land because the Lord wants to bring a great harvest. It was said in the time of Jeremiah. It was reiterated in the time of Jesus. And I do believe it's still applicable for us today. That break up the unplowed land. And then the key for us is circumcise your heart. Cut off the things that is hardened and clinging your, onto your heart and stealing your attention. I want everything of you. And I believe the Lord is calling us back to cut off certain things that we have given our hearts to. To circumcise again our hearts. I don't know what happened this holiday. I don't know what's happening at your work. I don't know what's going on in your thoughts. What you're busy watching. I don't know the intentions of your heart. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says the following. Above all else, keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows the spring of life. My translation says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. The enemy is out to take us out, to steal what he has sown into our hearts. Let's guard our hearts because he wants to do something great. And this is me, just as Leonard prayed, I, you see, I thought about this. 
that it's such a privilege to be a part of a move of God. Some of us are sitting here and taking it for granted. This is a move of God and you can play a key role to advance the kingdom in this congregation. A key role. Not just sitting there in back of vocals or whatever. Not that that's not anything wrong with back of vocals. I've been on three worship sets in my life as a back of vocals and I didn't ask me again. Father and I and my brother went to medical Nepal, came in there, there 
I am in pain and I feel like I want to scratch open my stomach because it is hurting, something is wrong. And I told her what the previous doctor had said and she's like, I have a scale from 1 to 10. How painful is it? I'm like, so see. <laughs> it hurts. So, I said 11 out of 10. She took me into the, the bigger ward. The doctor came, the, another nurse came. I had to explain that whole thing again. And it was quite a, a young doctor. And I'm like, who are he says? <laughs> he helped me. And then all of a sudden he said, we need to go inside. I'm like, we're all inside. <laughs> and what he was saying is, we need to go inside of your stomach. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm fine with things like this, okay? I've had a lot of operations. Ask my mom, because a deer came. Um, <laughs> I was usually quite exhausted by him.
against the Lord. And we decide, no, I'm not going to listen to this guy tonight. Others of us need to go inside that it's actually sin that has caused us to give in to anxiety and stress. I know the Dean's brother Carl was in my community, he's coming next year. And he always says that when you stress and have anxiety, I will remember this all my life, he told that to me, that you're actually practicing practical atheism. Because you are behaving as if there isn't a God. It's practical atheism to stress and have anxiety. Because you are more interested in the things that is just things, rather than leading on Christ. And I believe for all of us tonight, we need to go inside that actually what is corrupting your life is your own desires leading to sin. And ultimately sin, when it is fully birthed, gives birth to death, says the Bible. And I believe the Lord wants to come and rid us of things that is causing a corruption in the soil. How do we know we actually have good soil in our hearts? And I am somebody that I like to set goals for myself. I like to, um, in the beginning, I, myself and my wife, our favorite day of the year is the 1st of January. It just has this freshness, this vision, this dreaming. I'm a dreamer. My wife is much more like the realist. So I'm like, that mountain. She's like, it's 10 kilometers. I'm on foot. Okay, so she just puts the reality into my dreams. Um, praise the Lord for a great wife. Um, she adds to me and makes me more in line with what is real. <laughs> So, a couple of weeks ago, we had a training time with a lady called Liz East. She oversees the counseling of Josh Jane. And she gave this quote that I thought to be so profound in the area of just a true godly belief. And how do we know when a true godly belief falls on good soil? And let's quickly, you have to look. A true godly belief is seen in action, rooted in the heart, and stands firm in storms. How do we know that there is good soil? I'll see it. How do you know the seed of kindness has produced a harvest in your life? You'll be kind. How do we know that you have truly experienced forgiveness and that it is rooted in your heart? You'll forgive others. And I'm not saying that from the get-go there will be a fullness of this because a little seed becomes a plant and a plant later on becomes a tree and later on as time progresses it becomes this great and mighty tree that others can come and flourish and eat of your fruit again fruit is never for yourself it's always for others so for all of us is it seen in your actions secondly is it rooted deep enough the taste of time, that over a period of time, do you see it still? Or was it just a phase in where you always say, and then next week, the week after that, we don't see it anymore? Did it produce over time? And lastly, when the storms of life come, and that can be temptation, it can be when your chummy says, hey man, 
let's go out again. I know you did it last week. And then this week you came to Jesus. Now the weekend. They're like, no man, you did it last week. What, what's different now? And then you get tasted on that seed that fell on your heart even tonight. You need to stand. You need to stand. And then we will only find a true godly belief in the soil that is good. You guys still okay? Secondly, the second quote by a guy named Warren. The devil tempts us to destroy our, to destroy our faith. But God tests us to develop our faith. Because a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Amen. The devil tempts to take us out. The devil tempts to take us out. To kill, destroy. If there is a lie in your heart like Henry, I will never be able to do what you're saying tonight. The enemy is trying to take you out. Even as you're sitting in a church full of lively, lively Christians. But the Lord tests our faith. Because he knows that you can pass. I always love the picture of a school teacher that takes a child from grade one, teaches that child to grade 12. There's a lot of pop quizzes, but it was always to make them grow. So that one day they will pass in grade 12 and fulfill their dreams. That's a teacher. And we have the perfect teacher, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit in our lives. Almost done. Oh. 
life of God is contrary to what we think it is. The other week, a um, couple of days ago, I was thinking about this thing of discipline. And the Lord said, Henry, you don't know discipline. My discipline different to the way you have been disciplined in life. I'm gentle. I'm with you in discipline. It hurts, but I'm with you. Come love, learn his ways. Secondly, by meditating. We meditate on the word of God. As we look at Romans 4, it says, 18 to 21, speaks about Abram. In hope, Abram believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he has been told, so shall the offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body. He was like a hundred, oh there it says it. Which was as good as dead, since he was alive. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah, his wife's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced, fully convinced that God was able to do what he has promised. We love to meditate on the impossibilities of what God cannot do. But they don't exist. The Lord is able to come and do. And we need to meditate on those things that He has promised us. We need to approach Him by meditating on the things. And we will find hope rise up in the soil of our heart. Then lastly, we need to approach the Word of God with an active attitude and not passive to do the Word of God. As Leonard mentioned, I studied theology, I started with my honours, and I quite love the philosophical arguments of life. I love going into the details of Scripture and doing all of those things. But, if I can't do it, sometimes very boring. Really. Theology gets boring if I can't do it. How can I live this what I'm busy reading? We need to be doers of the word, not hearers only, says the Bible. And just an example of that, I'm ending with this in Genesis 39, verse 9. And this is Joseph that's speaking about his boss. He, the boss, is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? This is Joseph getting caught up in a situation that he got promoted to like second in charge of Egypt. Something like that. Then Potiphar's wife, his boss, his wife comes and says, I smoke you.
Joseph knew that there was promises that the Lord has made to him. That as he considered the word of God, he received the word of God, he meditated on his promises, and as he got faith, he had to do the word of God. And you will get faced with temptations and tests. Temptations to kill you and kill your faith. Tests so that you can succeed and bear great harvest for the Lord. And I truly believe that is what the Lord wants to come and do to create the soil that is good to receive in this season to come cut the string off the little 